What is up, guys? Welcome to this week's edition of the Got Next podcast. My name is Carlos. Joined as always by my trusty co-host Rafa. How are you doing, man? I'm doing really well. Um, I'm a little bit in shock that we're basically done with the regular season. Dude, they're like you know, there's what one game per team left, pretty, basically. Pretty much, I think. It's crazy. The last day is what April 11 or something. A sun- I April think it's 10? Sunday. Sunday is the last day of regular season. Yeah, April 10. And then the play-in first round starts April 12. And then the playoffs are next week. Dude, I'm so excited for the playoffs. So, I know. This is going to be one of the most volatile years. Like, I don't – every year it seems like the regular season matters less and less and less for analysis. And it's really just like, who does the team have and what does the team do? It doesn't matter what ha- actually happened in the regular season. Yes, it, 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 I think, totally, but yeah. I think that's pretty clear with like two teams I can think of where that matters the most, and it, it's the Clippers and the Nuggets, especially if they get their stars back. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, I mean, I, I doubt Kawhi will return at this point. Same with Murray and Porter. I don't, I don't think they'll all come back, but... It's possible. I'm, I'll never say never. Um, before we move on, we also want to say we are joined by several guests of the fur variety, four-legged variety. Tater is here, sitting on my lap. Castro um, is sitting on Carlos's lap. And Every boy. Teddy is just somewhere roaming around on the floor. She's jealous of Castro's position right now, I think. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we have... We have many legs on this podcast right now. <laughs> I think this is a record for us. Right, bud? Tater said yes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's, let's move on to the first part. And I just want to, you know, this first segment is just the Lakers funeral. So I just want to ask you, are, are you okay? Are you, are you doing okay? No. I'm con- a little concerned for you. <laughs> I've accepted the monstrosity that is the 2022 Lakers like two months ago yes honestly I they they kept talking like they were still going to make the play in but it never showed on the court they never backed up their talk on the court uh no it's it's just it's just been a horrible season it's probably like the worst Lakers season of my of my lifetime maybe Probably. I mean, if you think about it, even that super team in 2013, they at least made the playoffs. Yeah, and Kobe was still really fun to watch that at year. Because <laughs> Kobe was busting his ass that year. I mean, he was doing everything. And so, until he tore his Achilles, that's, and that ended up being his downfall. But he just did everything for that, for that team. So yeah, That was amazing yeah, to watch. And I mean... You can pop... I mean, obviously, the, six, the what, 2014 to 20. 18 were terrible like seasons but they were ex- the expectations were low so it's not as disappointing or terrible this this team came we right we i had them third i looked at our preview pod i had them third in the west the start of the year and then yeah you were telling me i still had them as contenders in their contenders pod a few weeks ago so yep this team was just horrible to watch and no, they didn't deserve. They don't deserve to make the play, and I'm glad. Glad they didn't make the play, in because 
I mean, the only thing I can get from this Lakers season is that what LeBron was really good to watch so, when he was trying, especially when he, he was. was. He was. You wanted that scoring binge, but yeah, nothing much to celebrate this yeah. Lakers season. Nah, I mean, if you think about, I mean, LeBron did have that um, really historic feat, which we'll get into. So you can celebrate that. I mean, yeah. But other than that, there's not much. And in that pod that you referenced, I actually had the Lakers as a one move away from being contenders, and that move was to uh, get rid of Westbrook. So <laughs> it sounds like they might. It just wasn't working. Yeah. It sounds like they might. So, yeah, some reports about the Hornets maybe taking interest in Russ, which is like, why would you stall LaMelo Ball's development like that? They're, they're not the same player, but they have the same role. I just don't understand why you would do that Yeah, if you're I, the Hornets. I think any team trading for Westbrook next year is going to be a team like just going to use his expiring contract uh, to free up cap space. Because yeah. I think I read somewhere yeah. that they have to extend Miles Bridges soon. So that probably is part of that move. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, if that's the case, sure. But at the same time, Westbrook is a Jordan brand sponsor and signature athlete. So this would be pretty on brand for Michael Jordan to do. You got to support him. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. I think um, Westbrook for Gordon Hayward? My main thoughts on this are that would actually improve the Lakers, I think. I mean, Gordon Hayward does not need, does not dominate the ball, but in small spurts, he can do stuff. He's a good playmaker, good scorer. Um, when LeBron's off the court, a Hayward AD thing wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it, it would be a pretty odd. Hayward can be serviceable and he's also yeah. uh, injury prone, so <laughs> that's yeah, very, very on brand for that too. Um man, I'm still in shock, honestly. Like the the this version of the Lakers should be lucky that the Nets that Nets super team basically exploded because this would be regarded as the worst super team of all time otherwise. Yeah. At the very least, they played together a little bit and injuries and whatnot, but like the whole Harden thing, like him giving up and Kyrie just not playing basically much of the year because of the COVID thing and Kevin Durant busting his ass, which ended up getting him hurt. So... Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the reports that Frank Vogel might get fired? Honestly, well, not might, probably will. Yeah, I think there there was an agree. There, someone reported that they are gonna and they're gonna part ways at the end of the season, which probably probably it's time because the players aren't buying in anymore. Uh, yeah, the players aren't buying in anymore. He was their championship coach, though. Uh, it just sucks that the front like instead of the front office getting fired, the championship coach is getting fired. The front office didn't right. put him in a position to succeed, and they're using him as the scapegoat. Well, that's that's kind of my point. It's like, I mean, and I'm actually kind of surprised that you said that it is time. Um, I mean, if what you're saying is true about that, they're just not listening to him anymore then you know then that would be a decent reason to let him go but at some point it's like isn't kind of part of that the player's fault i mean westbrook just inability to adjust 
and not play a diminished role, but change his game to coexist with these two other guys. Um, it just like, it was funny Lakers fans every time were like, well, this is Westbrook when LeBron's not on the floor. It's like, right, but you want both those guys to be on the floor. So if Westbrook becomes a 14 point, like just an average starter when LeBron's on the floor, that's not a good thing. Yeah. You're you don't paying need to him at least be. You're paying 47 yeah, million you, bucks. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. So th- that's part of it. Like the players just not, if the players are not buying in, that's probably coming from the top. Of the of the player from the player side, and number two to your point about the front office, it's largely their fault. Yep. We ins- like everyone's at at blame, but if I were to point one finger, it would be right at you, Kurt Rambis and Genie Bus. Rob Palinka, you, you gotta you, name Rob and Rob Palinka. That's true. That's true because you guys cared more about the star power and the Hollywood brand than actual roster construction. You wasted one of LeBron James's, uh, a LeBron James historic season. 37-year-olds shouldn't be this good. Yeah. The only other 37-year-olds that have ever been this good are Michael Jordan and maybe Kareem. Maybe, but probably not. So it's probably him and MJ. Yeah, that's probably only MJ. No. Like, this good. Yeah, yeah. It's him and MJ. So you just wasted... A 37 year like a historic 37 year old season that would have legitimately brought you a title this year that could have you cared more about getting the star power than really sticking to the formula knowing knowing what you had in your stars and your coach you knew what what exactly you had and you just went away with it yeah and so that's just my frustration yeah and it's it's really the front office really fucked up with the roster construction. I, I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Well, I'm just thankful that now we don't have to talk about the Lakers anymore. We're <laughs> fucking done. Like it's the team from like, we South, gave the Southern Lakers California. so much attention. Yes. Like the fact that we gave a team this bad so much attention on this podcast is. Yeah. Ah. I mean, they're, they were interesting to talk about because it's so shocking, but I, I don't want to talk about bad basketball anymore. Yeah, let's, let's move on to the Lakers. We no longer <laughs> have to think about them. We'll think, see you in October, LA. Oh, please. There's going to be a bunch of stuff because Vogel is going to get fired on April 11. And <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, let's move on to some of our awards. So we're... We're going to do yes. only two of the uh, actual NBA awards just because the others I could get into like a philosophical soapbox rabbit hole. So we're not going to do that. We're going to do MVP and coach of the year stuff. That's like, there's still phil- philosoph- philosophical stuff behind that, but at least it's a little more straightforward, but let's do some of our, uh, our own got next podcast awards. Yes. Let's do it. This the one that we are bringing back from last year, the comeback player of the year, the defending winner was Karis LeVert coming back from cancer. Very great, um, great comeback. And we have yep. another one this year. I mean, there's no other candidates here. It's Clay Thompson. How about uh, Kyrie Irving? Shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> he went through so much adversity this year, man. <laughs> Self-imposed adversity. There, like that could have been avoided if he just got stuck with a needle twice. Like he was fighting for the people nothing. not using their jobs or something. <laughs> he was he was fighting for justifying not taking care of your community. Yeah. Because you don't get the vaccine just for you. You get the vaccine for other people. That's the thing that pisses me off about what Kyrie was doing. And it's not like he's making a point now that he's playing because like the people, it's only, it only applies to these performers, right? right? Not like the right. regular American. Like you, you basically <laughs> like just by taking that stand, you did nothing. You did nothing. You hurt your team. You're not making a real point here. Like, it's objectively stupid. Yeah. So, it's not Kyrie. That was just a joke, if that so, wasn't clear. <laughs> yes, it was a, clearly a joke, guys. But, I mean, Clay Thompson is the comeback player of the year. Hasn't played since June of 2019. He comes back, and the fact that he looks as good as he does is really impressive. Those are yes. two of the most devastating injuries that you could have. And he had them back to back. And the fact that he's come back and he's, you know, he's not all an all-star clay. But the fact that he is a serviceable starter level player, maybe even above the average starter level player, is really impressive. Yeah, for sure. And so it's crazy. He's still it, he's still like he still moves around a little bit. I mean, I think the shot obviously isn't is still coming back to him. He, he's taking a lot of shots. Yeah. Trying to get back in, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he looks decent out there. He's moving. He's moving all right. He's not as good as he was before in terms of defense, uh, but yes, it was. It's, it was great seeing him back out there, and I hope that this coming playoffs we'll see like Game Six Clay Thompson a lot. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. We we're, they're gonna need Game Six Clay Thompson for all games, um, not just Game Six for all games. <laughs> Even including when Steph comes back. They're just going to need that. Um, next, uh, we've got color commentator of the year. And the two candidates here are Chris Webber and Reggie Miller. Who's your pick? Rafa, Rafa. Chris Webber isn't even on TNT anymore. Oh, is he not? <laughs> no, but he's still, he's, still, uh, he's still commentating somewhere, isn't he? No, it, they, they parted ways last year at the end of the season. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay, good. So Reggie Miller that, wins that it outright. <laughs> so Reggie Miller wins it. Oh, gosh. Love it. Second unanimous winner of the Got Next Podcast Awards. How about uh, Mark Jackson? <laughs> oh, my God. Mama? Jeff Van Gundy for continuously complaining about every call. Just having a podcast during a basketball game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much what they're doing. <laughs> Mike Green has to say that. Let's move on to the next one. This one I, I kind of like. It's called, and I kind of swagger jacked this from, I think it was from the NFL. The moment of the year. I haven't heard swagger jack like in that? so long. You like oh that? <laughs> yes. Um, I wanted to put this out there because this season there were a ton, a ton of great moments. Um, the candidates for this are LeBron James becoming the all time leader in total points for the regular season and playoffs, which I feel like yeah. that's, that's the way it should be done. I don't understand why it's only regular season. Yeah, you're, penalize, anyway. you're penalizing players who actually 
are good enough to make the playoffs, I guess. Exactly. Um, so that was that was all time great. Stephen Curry becoming the all time leader in threes. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo becoming the Bucks all time leader in total points with a clutch game winning three over the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, yes, that, that was, was sick. just fun. Like, and then the I, uh, yeah, I, dude, that moment. I, uh, who I forgot. Who, I think it was Kevin Harlan. Who no? Who who was coming Kevin Harlan, I think. He's like, Giannis step back. I'm like, no way he makes. It. And then he makes it. I was like, whoa. And then with the adage that he passed Kareem on that same shot, I was like, Damn. yeah, that was insane. Like, what a amazing play. That was like a storybook ending. Like even Disney would think that's a little much. <laughs> um, and the last candidate here is Nikola Jokic becoming the first. A uh, player in NBA history to score 20, 20, 2,000 points, get 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists in a single season. And he did it during the game where they clinched the playoff spot. Ton of great moments this year. You are muted, sir. <laughs> oh, do you not mean to be muted? Yeah, no, your mic's not working, bud. Hello? There you go. Oh, this sucks. Okay. Well, I- We're keeping all of that in the pod, by the way. <laughs> I, was just say- I was just saying, did you see him make his 2,000th point? Where oh, you- was like on this ugly-ass drive <laughs> where he basically like volleyball set it on his way down from his three-inch vertical. I think, yeah, yeah this is why Ball Don't Stop thinks that He's not the greatest nugget of all time. <laughs> it's not just ball don't stop. I was on Twitter and people were like, I mean, here, I just pulled up Twitter and the first tweet is, Westbrook had whatever in a season. Wilt had whatever in a season. Why are they acting like this is the greatest stat of all time or some shit? <laughs> and let's see. Let's see how soon I get to a comment about his race. Oh, the second one. Oh, man. They're just... <laughs> Anything to diminish Jokic for some reason. Seriously. There are just some people who, you know, just don't appreciate basketball. And these are these people. Nick Wright? Yep. <laughs> Nick, Wright's one. Nick Wright doesn't appreciate basketball. He doesn't, doesn't even he, – he doesn't watch. He cares about he doesn't watch. LeBron and bashing Jokic. Right, exactly. I mean, all he cares about is hot takes. Same thing with Colin Cowherd. He made an all NBA team and it was ridiculous. I saw it. If you haven't seen it, go look at I it. I saw the screenshot. Was it like minimum, minimum 85% games played or something? Yeah. Yeah. So fucking stupid. Gosh. Anyway, anyway it's not going to on soapbox. So, what's your moment of the year, sir? I think I would pick Steph's one just because I was going to pick LeBron, but since it's not official, According to the NBA, for some stupid reason, I think I'm gonna pick go with Steph's yeah. one here. Gotcha. Okay, I'm actually going to pick LeBron because I don't give a shit if it's <laughs> official or not. The like LeBron has put the ball in the basket more times than anybody ever has. That's actually insane. Like, it's insane. It's actually insane. So, I don't like. I, I totally understand your point. I'm not knocking it by any means, but I'm not. No, yeah, like, that, 
the fact that he's done that. Yeah. Next year when he when he passes Kareem or whenever it's gonna be, they'll definitely be the moment of the year next year. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, in my opinion, this is just as important. Yeah. And honestly, like with Steph, the Steph thing too, it's like he already surpassed everybody earlier in the year in threes if you included the playoffs. Like that's that's pretty big. Mm. So, I don't know. But yeah, let's let's move on to the MVP. Ooh. So, this was another weird year, of course, where everyone is trying to just devalue everyone else. And there's a clear top three, Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid. Yep. And on Twitter, it's insane how it's like, whoever this guy picks is like, well, the other two just like fucking suck. <laughs> that's what basketball arguments... That's, that's always the argument. It's yeah. like, right. And it's like, Giannis is this dominant force and MB just gets hurt all the time and Jokic is, looks like the Michelin man or looks like Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> and then it's like, MB has Harden now, so he's disqualified. There, it's like, I mean... There was one wild one where... I, Someone was arguing that Embiid should be MVP because over Jokic because Jokic doesn't get double as much. And like, that, oh, you know who that was? That's like the weakest. It was Ryan Rosillo. That's the weakest argument for MVP. Like that shouldn't even be in the conversation. And there's a pretty I know good seriously. reason why he's not double as much. No, exactly. And actually, fuck, where. I had a photo saved where Jokic was actually triple team. So that argument is dumb. Like it was straight dumb. So dumb. Um, yeah. And yeah, the, the reason he doesn't get double team is one, because he's a good passer. That's the number two. Yeah. Number two, someone actually pointed out this out and it's re- it was a really, really good point. It was Jokic's time of possession is just so significantly shorter compared to Embiid. Teams don't have time to double team him. Yeah. Like Embiid holds the ball for seven seconds. I could double team Embiid in that time. You could say that about but if many Jokic other stars. Moving... Only Jokic exactly. and Steph probably are the double. Yeah. Right. And so Jokic is tossing the ball off, setting a screen, rolling. And, at, and 16 seconds later, he has to get in the post. And because there's only five seconds left, he has to make a quick move. So. That point was dumb. And then the third point really is, yeah, Jokic does get doubled. That's fucking stupid. <laughs> he actually does get doubled at some points. There's like tons of evidence for that. It's, yeah, that, that's the worst argument. Um, yeah. I don't understand why and people have to detract. why more everywhere. proof that Ryan Rossillo doesn't, doesn't understand basketball either. Just w- watch this a lot, but doesn't understand. Yeah, it's just one of those people that doesn't try to understand basketball. I don't like it. Yeah. Or it's like maybe not doesn't try to understand it, but is so stuck in his own dogmatic ways that he's not willing to adapt. So anyway, that's my soapbox. Um, now, the, a lot of, one argument that maybe is legitimate, maybe, I'm not saying it is, um, is that Jokic and the Nuggets are the sixth seed. Yep, um, they are right now. Any issues with that? Yes, they're right now. They could get to fifth, but that would be the highest they could get to. I mean, historic... Do you have any issues with that? Not necessarily. Um, although, historically, 
it's pretty much come from one or two seeds, pretty much, except for Westbrook, if I'm not wrong, right? Pretty much. Well, yeah, Westbrook um, on an Oklahoma team that won 47 wins, and it was just like, I mean, I don't understand why that argument wouldn't apply to Jokic on this one because Russ won the MVP when Kevin Durant left and he basically had nothing. What's the difference between now? I mean, Jokic lost the second and third best player on his team. Yeah. And they're what? They have the same number of wins, don't they? What is it like? 40, they have 48 now. So 45 wins? The, the Nuggets have 48 40. wins. So it's more than Russ. Yeah. I think, I think what, why West, and, Westbrook won that because of the triple double, to be honest. And that was because yeah, it was probably, like out of out of Noah, like no one ever did it. No, no one. I mean, no one since Oscar did it, and no one thought it could be done again. That's probably part of it. It's not like the triple double. Every okay. triple double for a season, season was this mythic stat that no one like thought could happen. Right. Unlike this two thousand points, five hundred assists, one thousand rebounds thing, which no one really tracked until oh shit, Jokic should be the first one to do it. Yeah, so it's not like a mythic thing. Um, that's the I feel like that played into it, right? Right. You know, maybe, maybe. I mean, we also have to remember too that Kareem won the MVP with a losing record. They were forty and forty-two in nineteen seventy-six. Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, he was dominant that season. He was absolutely dominant. He was the best player for an entire decade, so I get it. But if you're willing, I know that was like 60 years ago, but if you're like, if there's historical precedent for it, really can't. Like, there's, there's no reason that the number of wins or the seeding should matter because it's gone to someone, even in recent history, with 47 wins. Yeah. Um, I think, honestly, uh, like, if, yeah. if somehow the. F- the 48 wins resulted in a three seed. This MVP, this MVP case would look much better. Just right, especially for especially to the voter, uh, to the casual fan, which kind of sucks. Right, <laughs> that that kind of sucks. I think it's just like the casual fans just you know, just want to stick to what the media has done in the past, and it's like, well, can we evolve a little bit from there? Or actually make basketball arguments. Because really, like, when I'm thinking about the three in the, in the top three for MVP, they all have legitimate cases. I wouldn't be upset if any three of them won. My, yeah. I have a certain pick. But I'm not saying that the guy I'm picking is necessarily... Like, the three of those guys are having MVP quality seasons. You pluck them um, this year and put them on, another, on a different given year. They might win. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy. They'd... Let's celebrate all three of them because it's three historic seasons for three big men who play very differently. The comeback of the big man has been great. Great. And the... Right. And instead of just celebrating that, and just, like it's three big men who play entirely different. Instead of celebrating that and saying the big man is back, but look at what they have become. We're just like, this one guy is great. The other two suck. Yeah. That's why the one is MVP. It's, not, it's just not the case. Yeah, basketball. <laughs> basketball discourse is dumb. Trash. On Twitter, it's trash. So, um, well, let's, there are, 
let's just be please shout out a couple of the other candidates who are worthy of a shout out, but just aren't gonna, just straight up not gonna make it. Um, Devin Booker for his work with the Suns. I mean, when Chris Paul went out, he stayed consistent. Yeah. And he's balling out right now. He's peaking at the right time. Yeah. Jason Tatum. Um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Finish your thoughts on uh, Booker. Booker in another year probably would have won MVP. If it went for these three guys. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Just because. Yeah. They're so head and shoulders above the rest of the league. Yeah. He's on the best player and the best team. That's like the usual winner, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, then Jason Tatum, of course, gets a shout out. I mean, I was I was just looking at some stuff the other day about Jason Tatum. I was like, wow, he just continues to follow this trend of not being it was like barely being all-star level at the start of the year. And then now he's in like a sub MV, legitimate sub MVP candidate. I guess he just has to get his bearings. Like it seems like he tries to integrate a lot of stuff that he practiced off season and it takes him a while to get it, which it's fine. I don't, that's reasonable. Yeah. Hopefully next year, it's just funny. Next year he's, he's good. They're good from the gate from, from the start. Did, did you hear what he said to Embiid? I think in their last this last Celtic Sixers game, or maybe he just said it online. I'm not sure. What did he say? What did he say? I didn't hear this. He told Embiid because, of course, they they train together in the off seasons. They have the same trainer. Yeah. He he told he yeah. apparently told Embiid, dude, you better win MVP this year because I'm winning next year. Oh, love it. And I was like, oh, I love that so much. Love it. Um, <laughs> I love that. Um. And then the last guy I want to shout out is John Morant. I mean, exceeded expectations. Is kind of redefining what a slashing guard can do now. Um, Memphis has been the second best team all year. Um, Ja, you've been fantastic. Keep it up. Um, Let's get to our picks. I assume you have the same top three as I do, right? Yes. I didn't rank them. I just picked one. (laughs) Ah, I kind of like them. Hey, you want to? So here, let me. Yeah, let me. I'll cool. do my. I'll do my ranking in reverse order. Um, so this is really just based on who has a stronger case. Again, all three of them have a case, and I'd be happy if any three of them won. Yeah. Um, number three. <laughs> if some people listen to this and get mad, hit me up on Twitter, and I'll I will <coughs> justify this. Joel Embiid. Oh. Three. For me oh yes for three yes so the bigger reason um he is having a historic season like no question and again he is one of the big men that's redefining what is possible he's a solid two-way force he's improved as a playmaker the big reason that i have him behind the other two mostly is because the other two are just better <laughs> um and impact the game in like in a broader scope than he does. Um, that's the big thing. And, and Embiid has kind of slipped on defense a little bit. Mm. He has. And it's largely an attention thing. And it seems like it, I thought it would get better when Harden got there and it didn't. He's still, he's still like sub all NBA defensive level. And he's probably going to turn that up when the playoffs start, but he misses things every now and again. He mm. does. So 
That's that's why I have three. You expect him to cover everything? I have Giannis. <gasps> Not cover everything, but just like be attentive to it. Right. Number two is Giannis. Um, I think the way that the Bucks are using him now has just absolutely changed what is possible for them. Because they, of course, they've moved so far away from the heliocentric Giannis version that just didn't work. Yeah. And now, and now you can still play that in spurts. He's still a very high usage player, but Giannis has just developed almost every counter to, to the wall at this point. His kick passing is tremendous now. He's still an elite defensive player. Yeah, the Bucks defense hasn't been as good, but him playing the five just gives him a different look. And in the playoffs, that kind of versatility is huge. Mm-hmm. I know this is a regular season thing, but scheme versatility, even in the regular season, matters. Yes, for sure. Um, so that's kind of why I have Giannis over Embiid. I just think like he's just a little more impactful and can play in a different style. Embiid can really only play one way on offense. Okay. Last but not least, my pick is Jokic. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> clearly, you have Jokic number having, one. He's having a historic season. This is one of the best seasons we've had, period. Regular seasons, at least. All time. All time. And he's a good defender now. We'll see if he keeps that up in the playoffs. That's the one thing could tank him in the top 10 ranking. But for the purposes of the regular season, Jokic has become a legitimately good defender and allows Nuggets to play and drop, which is great because they don't have good help rotation. (laughs) You kind of need to stay out of rotation. So Jokic allowed them to do that. He can still play high on the level and muck shit up on defense. And then on offense, I mean, what can we say about it? I mean, he's, he's up there. He's the best offensive player in the game. Yeah, there. I was going to say. It's easy. It's, he's easily the best offensive player in the game. Yeah. I mean, hard to argue against Jokic, to be honest. Um, but I think – I. For me, I picked I picked I picked Giannis actually on this. Giannis is my MVP. Um, honestly, though, like okay. hard to hard. It's hard to say that Jokic and Embiid are second, but they are. <laughs> they are. They are to be. Um, I think for me, it's that's fine. Hello. Yeah. Sorry, you lagged up a bit. Um, yeah. For me, I think it's just Giannis is. Giannis's um, improvement over the last year and being both impact, changing, improving both offensively, well, improving mostly in offense, and then still maintaining his defensive impact from the last couple, the few years with the Bucks. I think that's what I why I picked him. Yeah, the, that's pretty much why I can't say nothing negative. I can't say anything neg- negative about either Embiid or or Jokic, to be honest. Yeah. Um, can't I can't knock that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and I, I mean on Jokic, Giannis has figured some stuff out. He really, he really has. His free throw percent, like his free throws improving to like 73 percent or whatever it is now. That yeah, that just shows how much he worked in the offseason. And because last year that was definitely yeah. an issue. <laughs> and if oh, yeah, if, oh, if yeah. this if this holds in the playoffs, that'll be huge for the Bucks. I think the big thing I give Giannis credit for is 
not being complacent after winning a title. And the fact that he got, he developed these little micro skills significantly more. I mean, you mentioned the, the free throws and that's very important because of course, when he comes to, he changes form. When it yeah. comes to the playoffs, that's going to be huge. And his routine. He changes form and it still looks really good. Yeah. And his routine, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Um, but I mean, like, look at his, his mid-range shooting percentages. So he's attempting, he is attempting the most mid-range shots he's ever attempted um, based on basketball reference. And he's shooting um, the, the short mid-rangers at a 40, basically a 42% clip. And the long mid-rangers at 43%, which they're all open shots because they'll take that over him getting to the rim. Yeah. But I mean, if that's the clip he's going to knock them on when they're when he's given that, that's going to keep the bucks afloat. And it's just enough to keep defenses honest. As long as, as, long as he doesn't fall and in on love top of that with it. Yeah. Exactly. And on top of that, the he has unlock some stuff in passing especially in transition and I'm like holy shit he just has somehow went from being the best um, transition player in the NBA to just getting better at that some of the transition passes he makes is insane like because teams just load up on him and Giannis has figured oh shit wait the other four guys are wide open every time <laughs> yeah I bring the ball so he has, he has these crazy fling passes from across the court. He loves to find Grayson Allen. Yes. And then he loves to do that, the Ben Simmons special, hit the trailer for Bobby Portis. Mm-hmm. So he made those two better by giving them the chances they need. And it's like, I can't believe this dude just got better at that stuff. It's crazy. And he's- so I'm not, like, Giannis is very, it's, that's a good pick. He's only 27 also, which is insane. He's only 27. <laughs> By the way, not only did he do all that after winning a title, but while his knee was still healing, Dude. he tore his knee capsule. He probably couldn't do much. He probably rested for a little while. Crazy, yeah. Crazy season by Giannis. Um, but I think I wanted to point out... Yeah, I'm not knocking him at all. I wanted to point out Jokic. I think I heard just... To build on your Jokic case, I think I saw a stat on Twitter about how he has a similar or if not better scoring rate than 2016 Curry, which crazy because that's like the best, yes, the best scoring season of all time. <laughs> yes, at least on the now, regular season. I don't. Yeah. Now I don't know if I would quite put his scoring quite at the level of that 16 Curry because Curry that Curry was. First in scoring volume and efficiency, which almost like that's never happened before. So that was insane. But I will say Jokic is top five in both of those. Top five in scoring volume and efficiency. At least the last time I checked, uh, probably two weeks ago. It could be different now, but I doubt it's like changed so drastically. And you know who cannot say that? Kevin Durant or Joe <laughs> James Harden. <laughs> so, sorry. Have to th- <laughs> you always have to put the James Harden slam in there. Oh, I cannot um, wait for the preview, our previews next week. <laughs> well, so uh, just real quick before I move on to the coach of the year, 
James Harden actually does hurt Embiid's case in a slightly different way than you traditionally think. Not because his press is like, oh, you're divvying it up. Therefore, your value is made less. I don't think that's the case at all. But honestly, James Harden um, has taken the ball away from Embiid and the number of post-ops before and after the trade for Embiid has significantly gone down. And that's the thing that I worried about. I'm fine with using more pick-and-roll opportunities. That's fine. But the fact that you are taking away the opportunities of your best player is a big problem. And I do not like that. That is exactly the thing that I was worried about. And it happened. Oh, gosh. After that honeymoon period, it hasn't been good for the Sixers. It's been, it's it been okay. Not, it hasn't been as good. No, and it's like, you're re- I, I'm just starting to, I'm seeing all this stuff now, like, on a, on an, even on an MB post-up, right? So teams will typically dub, double him in two ways. They'll do the, the whole weak side, the low man on the weak side will double him. And he's mastered either the, not mastered, but he's gotten really good at the corner skip pass or an internal pass for cutter. He's good at that now. The other one is the double down from top. Yeah. And I've noticed that they used to put Seth Curry in that spot for obvious reasons. They've now sometimes put Harden in that spot. And they double down on a heart off of Harden. But when you pass the ball to the post from that angle and your man comes off, what are, what are you supposed to do? This is like basic basketball. What is your job at, at that point? You let go of the ball, your post player has it, and the guy guarding you doubles. What, do you, what is your job at that point? Well, get caught cut to an open spot, whether that's towards the basket or to another, a better like angle for the, for the exactly. post player. Exactly. Yeah. Especially that second one. Cut to an angle where your post player can give it back to you. Guess who doesn't do that? <laughs> Our fa- James Harden. I have, I have clips of him just not doing it. I'm like, why are you letting Julius Randle double and beat it? Like, like Embiid, need, Embiid is looking for you. Embiid is looking for you, but he can't give it to you because there are arms in his way. So he settles for a con- contested turnaround jump shot because you just can't get the ball. <laughs> so that's another reason that Embiid's case maybe is hurt a little bit by Harden. Yeah, the beard. He, so, of course, he's still like statistically dominant. So. That's that's a soft case. That was more of a hard bash than bash. I'm not gonna bash and beat. And beat's been fantastic this year. Yeah, getting line a lot. Anyway, let's let's move on to the coach of the year because that that took a little longer than expected. <laughs> so, coach of the year. This is one where it's like, man, the the um the criteria just changes all the time, which is fine, but. I mean, what, what, would, what is your criteria? It typically goes to a narrative, but like, what, what would you say is the coach of the year? What is your criteria for it? Hmm. I, I always like to give it to like, it's similar to the MVP where, well, not, not, not always, but typically best, best, uh, best team, best coach. Uh, especially if the, yeah. the team has... Uh, as played consistent regardless of who's on the floor. Um, but 
I think there are some years as well where we give it to coaches who overachieve based on expectations. So, yeah. Fibs from last year, for example. Uh, but yeah, I think those are the those are like the, it really depends. On the, I think for me that if there's no one overachieving, that would probably be overachieving would probably be the first thing that comes to mind for me, and then second would be the okay. best coach of the best team. Winning regardless of who's on the floor. Gotcha. So that's fair. I'm I'm still debating on what it is for me, just because it's clearly not going to go to the best coach. Case point: I went to Dwayne Casey one year. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Dwayne Casey. Casey, unnecessary shot. <laughs> I, like, unnecessary shot. It's not a real shot. He's a good coach. I don't think he's a bad coach by any means. Um, but. Um, I, it's hard to say, give it to the best coach. Cause we don't really know who the best coach is. So yeah, we can't, really- I just kind of think, so I think it's just like, who's best players in a position to succeed. And I guess that like that's, the succeed part is, you know, the, is a big factor in that. Very vague. My, my, it's so vague. It's hard. So, I mean, my top two this year are, Monty Williams and Taylor Jenkins, and I'm still flip-flopping between the two because it's one thing like, yeah, Monty has not necessarily exceeded expectations because we knew that this Phoenix team would come back with a vengeance, but the fact that they've stayed consistent with each of their star players and starters miss significant time and them staying consistent. And you can see like they're building championship habits so I give him huge props for that. That, that that's, that's arguably harder to do than what Tibbs did last year. Because what Tibbs did last year was get a group of young guys to buy you in. Know, overachieve and give a, buy in and get a lot of effort. Yeah. I'm not saying that's, not, that's, not saying that's easy, but like getting this team um, to be as consistent and build those habits is significantly tougher. So... I'll give him that. But Taylor Jenkins, he probably has the narrative, but the thing is, is that Jaws missed time and they still win. Yeah. And they, I think Taylor Jenkins has just done such a good job of getting his guys to buy in and putting a great system around them to let them thrive. And he's, I have like the evidence I have that he's just leveraged the talents of his team so I, I've just been collecting some stats, you know, just for end of the year stuff, just to really help with my predictions. Mm-hmm. The big conclusion I've come to in general is that a lot of this doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it, it, no, but seriously, like, because I'm looking at a lot of this stuff. It's like, okay, but like so many of these situations have changed. This is just an average for the whole year. So I don't know how much of this is actually usable. For sure. But one of the things that is very usable to me is that the Memphis Grizzlies, um, they've been pretty consistent all year. And they're a plus three on offense and a plus three, minus three on defense. So they're good at both ends of the floor. And the thing that's great about their offense is that from an efficiency standpoint, they're average. But they are the best offensive rebounding team that we have actually seen. Um, Other than... 2000, maybe 
2017, I think it was 2017 Oklahoma City Thunder when everyone was missing everything. So there's that. <laughs> but, but I calculated it. The Memphis Grizzlies give themselves seven extra sh- possessions from their offense rebounding alone. That is way beyond everyone else. The next one is, is four by the Toronto Raptors. Wow. So they give themselves seven extra possessions per game. On top of that, they get a lot of turnovers, so they, that's an extra one and a half. So per game, they're basically getting uh, eight and a half extra chances to put the ball in the basket. That's a lot. <laughs> so it's a lot. That's like Think about how many points that can rack up. That is potentially, if you take their efficiency, that is like a six to eight point swing. Yeah. That is six to eight extra possession. They, they were a good offensive rebounding team last year, but because they have Steven Adams, they're just like, oh, we're going to crash. <laughs> then the best part, the best part of that is that, yeah, you have Steven Adams, best offensive rebound in the game. Great. You would think that their transition defense would suffer. It didn't. They're the second best transition defense in the NBA. Wow. I'd like to run up and in I'm those. trying to watch and I can't, other than just them specifically knowing like who is gonna who is gonna cover the um, who is gonna go cover a transition who's gonna crash the board like I'm still trying to figure out their philosophy but they have something and it's working so Taylor Jenkins or Monty Williams for me I'm gonna let you pick because I don't know <laughs> yeah I was at, who's your pick I don't know I think for me it was pretty clearly gonna be Monty this year. Okay. Yeah, that team could have collapsed. Could have collapsed after after heartbreaking loss in the finals last year. Him, him, and Chris Paul. Yeah, definitely kept everyone in line to improve, and they've managed all the all the injuries that they've gone through the season pretty well, and are like far and ahead the best team in the league at least for the regular season. Like they're the only sixty win team. They're eight and a half games, <laughs> eight and a half games ahead of ahead yeah. of Memphis. They might win sixty five. They only have one game left. They might win sixty five. To put them with like the, yeah, I don't know how many teams have won over sixty five games, but it's not a lot. So one of the best. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. I, no. So Monty Williams, I think, is the coach of the year. I want to shout out though. Uh, I think you wrote it That's down. Ty Ty Lu is Ty Lu. With all the yeah, all the turnover on that Clippers team, it's been, and they're still they're right there on the eighth seed, potentially, could yeah, go all the way up to seven, um, but yeah, Monty can't Williams, fault that. Monty Williams, can't fault that, yeah, cannot fault that. That's, I, I clearly I'm torn between the two. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go Taylor Jenkins, and. Here's the big reason why. Uh, just to be different from you. Uh, That's the big reason. I don't have any other way to parse through this. I don't have a better way to parse through between those two. Because I think that both of the jobs that they've done is phenomenal. So I'm just going to pick the guy that you didn't pick. Because <laughs> I, I, I legitimately don't have anything better. They've both been fantastic. I can't reasonably argue one over the other definitively. Like I can... There's points for either of them. I'm just going to go with Taylor Jenkins to be different from you. 
it's good podcasting. So. <laughs> so we we have we have a little bit of controversy on this on the podcast. So oh my god, we disagreed. <laughs> oh my god, we disagreed. Let's, Taylor Jenkins has never been to the NBA is, uh, finals. He's never even won a playoff series. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Monty Williams couldn't take this young. Memphis Grizzlies core to where they've been. They're the second best team in the NBA. Oh man. Anyway. Uh, this is like a Stephen A versus Skip Bayless special. Um, all right. So let's let's move on. Our final part of this is the uh, the plan. So we're gonna do we can only predict the East talk about the Eastern Conference. Yeah. We can't really predict the East, dude. So we're gonna do like the Eastern Conference scenarios. We're just gonna talk about the scenarios. We can't make predictions because we don't know who the fuck's playing. Um, but we have the two West things is basically set. We have two things set uh, for the East. Yes. Um, the Nets are definitely in the seven, eight game. It's just about home court. And then mm-hmm. similarly, the Hornets are definitely in the nine, ten game. And it's just a matter of home court and their opponents. That's how I understand it. I yeah. hope I'm not wrong, but I'm pretty confident that. <laughs> yes. Yep. I. I. That sounds right. I, the Nets beat the Cavs last night, which is really cool. I was like, oh my god, that that lined up perfectly. That was basically a battle for home court, quote, quote unquote. Um, so the Nets won last night. They're now the seventh seed, and they're playing the Pacers on Sunday. So. You know they're probably gonna win that. Um, the Cavs are playing the Bucks, so that. <laughs> and the Cavs are playing the Bucks, and the Bucks are they need to win too, so it's not like Giannis is gonna sit. Yep. Like that. Like they're gonna bring their A game. So I'm liking the Nets at the seventh seed, and um and, the- and plus the Hawks, who could kind of surpass them, are playing the Rockets. Yeah, knowing the. Uh- Knowing the Bucks, I don't think they want to try to lose on Sunday just because karma. <laughs> I, I know people will be like, let's exactly. avoid the Nets, let's avoid the Nets. But knowing how Giannis thinks, I don't think, I don't think they will. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. It's just, I think they'll have too much pride plus basketball karma. Like when you do that, like that's huge basketball karma. Someone's yeah. going to bite you in the ass. Exactly. Um. I'm thinking it's going to be because then the Hornets also play the Wizards, so they're not good. The Cavs are the only team that's playing a good team at this point. So it's like we're probably going to see a Nets Hawks and then a Cavs Hornets. Okay. Probably. Do you want to do you want to quickly predict just pick a match if it was if it was that a matchup? Ooh. I mean the Nets are going to win for sure. At the seventh seed, it doesn't matter who they play. You think you know, the Nets? Trey Young yeah, could go yeah. off. I want for, and you know the, the Nets defense is not good. <laughs> yeah, but neither is the. <laughs> hey, they won. They won their I, most recent. They won their won their most recent matchup. That's true. That's true. I did see. So, the Hawks are equally as bad on offense as they are. Or sorry, they're equally as bad on defense as they are good on offense. So it's kind <laughs> of like a law of averages. Uh, and the same thing with the Hornets. Equally as bad on defense as they are good on offense. So, I'm, at the very least, the Nets 
can stay more afloat. And plus, I trust Kevin Durant above everyone else. Yeah. So Kevin Durant's on a different yeah. different uh, atmosphere. And if Kyrie just he's just if Kyrie plays, because I think he played poorly against the Hawks. He hasn't been playing well since going full time. Um. Um. <laughs> but if he plays this out to to like normal, then I think the Nets. Yeah, that Nets definitely have a favorite to stay the seventh seed and play whoever's the two seed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Uh, I mean, you know, there is a scenario where all four teams have the exact same record. <laughs> yes. I, and no one wants to tell me what, what, what will happen. Like, all the articles I've read are like, yeah, there's a possibility of a four-way tie, but... Okay, then what will happen? The like, we don't have the, like, the tiebreakers like, are not set. It's yet. too complicated, <laughs> I guess, so... Um, but yeah, who would you? If it's net, it it does it for me. It wouldn't matter. The Nets are advancing, and then yeah, that makes sense. Especially Cavs versus Hornets. I would give it to the Cavs. That would be really fun. Hawks, though. That would be a fun game. Hawks versus Hornets. I would give it to the Hawks. Yeah, I feel bad for the Hornets, but I hope. I just hope the Hornets don't shit the bed like they did last year. The play. Oh, they shit the bed so hard last year. Yeah, that was that was lame. All the other play-in games are good, except that one. Actually, yeah, pretty much. The Celtics wash. Yeah, even the Celtics Washington game was still okay, if I remember correctly. Yeah. All right. Um, did you give your prediction? Yeah. So Nets definitely winning the seven, the seven eight game, regardless of home court or matchup. I agree. And yeah, Hornets lose whoever they're playing the ninth. <laughs> Poor, poor, poor Hornets. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe that's why they want Westbrook so bad. Oh, gosh. What if Hayward comes back? Oh, God. Um, all right. So I'm guessing some Nets advance. Um, oh, wait. But then we have to okay. predict. So who, wait, 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 we have one more game to predict. Cavs versus Hawks. We do. Oh, that's true, huh? If it's the Cavs versus the Hawks. It's a tough one. Tough one. I, I kind of want the Cavs to make it just because they've had such a great season. Me too. Oh, that's hard. For me, this is going to depend on whether Jarrett Allen plays. Yeah, he's injured. Because if Jarrett Allen plays, yeah, and he, he did a pregame workout versus the Nets, and apparently like his finger was still really bothering him. So I would say it's unlikely he plays, but at the same time, if it's for a playing spot, he might suck it up. Um, uh, this is like an experience versus if, rookies kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. But I think if Allen plays, because they play drop, but with that size around Allen, especially with Mobley and Markinen, and then you could put Okoro on Trey, I think that the Cavs would win if Allen plays. If Allen doesn't play, I don't see them being able to match Trey on his firepower. Ooh. I think the coaching thing between Bickerstaff and Nate McMillan would be a wash. Yeah, probably. I don't know that either of them are the quickest adjusters. So I think it would be a wash. Yeah, I think... 
just for fun, I'm going to pick the Cavs and regardless of Allen's presence. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's go, Darius Garland. I'll play Trey Young. <laughs> Whew. Good that's, luck that, with that. That's not going to happen. So, I mean, a big reason why I say that Jared Allen is the big factor is because the Cavs' defense has plummeted since he got injured. So That is a problem. And the Cavs don't have the offensive firepower that- to match tra- at least the Hawks. They're as terrible as they are on defense. They are an elite offense. So and Trey Young is crazy. Ridiculous in offense. Trey Young is one of the 10 best offensive players in the league. Easy. Some have him like so, up there. But yeah. Some people have him top five, which maybe. Yeah. It's just too bad that similar to his team, he's equally as bad on defense. <laughs> He might legitimately be the worst defender, like major minutes, worst defending rotation player in major minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of people who are worse and I can't. Yeah. He's not good. He's too small. Yeah. (laughs) Too small. Yeah. But the effort's not there. I mean, he was at least serviceable in the playoffs last year. Remember? Yes. I commended him for how good he was. Maybe he turns it up. Not that they're negative, but yeah. But that's that's the that's the thing, and I think this is why I give Devin Booker so much props. Devin Booker busted his ass all year. Yep. Yeah, he's not a great defender, but he's always in the right position. He always gave his best effort. Where I would say, like at worst, he's neutral impact, and that's all you can ask from the guy who takes the most shots in your team. Yep. So, all right, let's move on to the West and wrap this thing up. We basically know the matchups and. We basically know home court. I think the Spurs can catch up to the to the Pelicans in home court, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. They're like if the the Hornets have to lose, sorry, the Pelicans have to lose both their games, and the Spurs have to win both of theirs for that to happen. Yeah. So unlikely, possible, unlikely. Yeah. So let's get into the Clippers versus the Wolves, which I'm pretty fascinated by, actually. This is another rookie off the top of your head. Rookies versus yeah. experience, but that's but the big the big factor in favor of the Wolves is Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. I mean, the exact position that the Clippers may, might struggle to guard. You don't trust Isaiah Hartenstein Hartenstein? <laughs> Or, or Zubats. Yeah. I, I trust them, but like cats, just a different animal. No pun intended. <laughs> um, just the way that he plays, like running off screen as much as he does, that, that is not something Zubach or Hart are really used to. Yeah. And then if they overplay him, which is very likely, Cat can just drive into the paint and just absolutely obliterate them so the clippers will probably just from the get-go send a ton of help and not even let him get the ball will the question then becomes is at going to step in at and d-lo and in d-lo d-lo is not the most aggressive scorer so it's really going to be at like is at going to make the proper decisions is he going to read what the clippers do because the clippers and i'll, I'll just jump on our on our um, sheet here. I mean, Ty Lue is their secret weapon. Yeah. And Ty Lue really fucked things up for a young 21-year-old player 
He's never been in a playoff situation like this in his life that, yeah, has had a fantastic year, but he's, his decision-making still needs to improve. That's, where I, that's, that's the thing that, where I could see the Clippers winning. Yeah, the, I could definitely see the Clippers winning. Uh, partly, yeah, the, vet, the veteran experience and the head coaching will definitely make a difference for the Clippers. I think that, that will definitely make this a close game. And yes. when was the last... Were the Wolves in a similar play-in type situation? 2018. Well, that was Cat. Cat was there, so he has an experience for that. I think they played the yeah. Nuggets in the last mm-hmm. game of the season. Yeah. For the eighth seed. Yep. So. Um. Yeah. At least he has that experience. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. Pat Bev has experience, but. Yeah. Um. So. I get, and then the, the flip side of the question for the Clippers is that can they squeeze just enough offense? Now, since the All-Star break and since those trades, for the year, they're minus three on offense, but they've been plus two since the All-Star break. And they've gotten some weapons. They got Norm Powell. And this is a big thing, too. Paul George is back. Paul George is back. So that, kind of, that could potentially even out yes. the cat. He's still... He's still not playing well, but at the same time, it's Paul George. He can just go off. Exactly. And, and then uh, the last one is, I mean, do you believe in playoff Reggie? Dude, he was he played really well last year. Yeah. Playoff, Re- playoff, that was Reggie, question. Like, playoff Reggie, is he going to come out? He's going to come out, dude. Yeah. So those are the big, the, all the big questions. Who... What what are your thoughts? Who do you who would you pick? I think it's so hard. I I think I think I'll pick the Clippers in this. One. This will be a really close game, so it can go either way. I'll pick the Clippers. <laughs> I'll just be I. It'll just oh, be so funny if Clippers. the Wolves lose. And don't make the playoffs because of the play-in tournament. <laughs> They're like twelve games ahead. Eight game, Wait, how many games ahead of the ahead of? They are. They are five game, five six games ahead of the Clippers, and they're gonna get knocked out. So that'd be crazy. Right. Right. <laughs> We're here for chaos. Um. <laughs> yes, definitely here for chaos. Ooh. Um. This is tough because it's very tough. there's just, I just see every scenario that the Clippers could just take everything that the Wolves like to do and just shove it out the door. Yeah. Especially defensively. Like they basically play Carl T- Anthony Towns at the level and on offense, they can basically make Jared Vanderbilt non playable. You don't have that elite help side. On the back line. But at the same time, Carl Anthony Towns is such a game changer. But so is Paul George. It's so hard to parse through what's really gonna happen. And I can't really lean on the stats that I have because they just don't like they just don't fucking matter right now. Especially because um, the Clippers have missed Paul George for majority of the season. Especially recently. Exactly. Like Paul George could turn up. Um, the Wolves have just, they started the season great and their defense has just tanked. 
it's so hard. Like I can't really use any of the stats. It's so hard. And my eye test, my eye test tells me, my eye test tells me it's the Clippers. To be honest with you, you see the yeah. If I think the Clippers will come up with a game plan that will potentially like stifle the Wolves. I can kind of see it if it is a series. They, it might become like a they'll steal game one kind of thing, and then maybe they will figure it out yeah. as the season as the series right. progresses. But since it's a one off. It might surprise them. This guy. Yeah. I. Yeah. I might. Yeah. I might go with the Clippers. And a big reason is because if the the counter is well, the Wolves have Carl Anthony Towns, but but if the Clippers can figure out a way, which I think they can, to just prevent Towns from even touching the ball in the first place, because other than D'Lo, no one can really pass the ball on that team. Yeah. And so, like, and Anthony Edwards might just take the ball into his own hands. And, like, the, the Clippers might just be like, here, Ant, go ahead. Did you see? Did you see? Figure your own shit out. Did you see him the other day where he was, like, gunning for 50 points and actually brought the Spurs back? <laughs> the Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that's the worry. Um, I'm going with the Clippers. Okay, let's go. Yeah, I'm going I think I'm gonna go with the Clippers as well. Nine, so nine ten. Let's do let's do Spurs Pelicans. So the Pelicans have home court and we have to remember Pels now have Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, and Jonas Valanciunas. That's their big three. Zion in, in a suit. Zion in a suit. So I mean and the Pels have an elite perimeter defender at Herb Jones. They have Larry Nance, too, as a solid defensive four. Freddie's playing well again. The, yeah. And, dude, my fa- one of my favorite players this season, Jose Alvarado. Oh, my God. The, the, that montage of him sneaking behind people in the backcourt. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's just one of the best things I have ever seen. I really hope that he pulls it off in this play-in game because I'm sure, like, no, the casual fan doesn't see this. Yeah, yeah. I hope that he pulls it I off. I love, yeah. I love Jose Alvarado. Dude, check the show notes. Ask me about his nickname. Wait, what's his nickname? Grand Theft Alvarado. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> It's. I didn't come up with it. That's on his basketball reference page. <laughs> That's amazing. It's so fitting. It is it's so fitting. <laughs> I should love that dude. That's really good. That's really good. Um, it's really good. Um, so from the Spurs side, of course, they have All Star Dejounte Murray. He's probably the best player in this game, but um, really, I do just wonder. Like, oh yeah, better than CJ or Ingram. Yeah, Ingram's debatable. It could be Brandon Ingram. Interesting. Um, but I would slightly give it to Dejounte. But I don't know. That's yeah. maybe my two-way player bias. I love two-way players. Um, oh, true. So let's see. Um, 
Spurs definitely won't have the firepower to match them. Um, but, I mean, their defense is really good. And the Spurs scheme is drop, and they have Jakob Pertl, <laughs> who's, like, actually legitimately a really fantastic drop defender. Like, legitimately. Yeah. So, um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of stuck on here. What do you think? I, I mean, these are like very average to below average. Team. They're both, yeah, they're, both. they're pretty much average on defense. Like the Denver Nuggets are, are right on 15th, 11.3. The Spurs and the Pelicans are 11, 111.6 and 111.4, respectively. So they're pretty much average defense, defenses. Yeah. So I kind of see yeah. like in this, in this kind of game then with such average defenses, I feel like the team with the better offensive players will win. And I don't think the Spurs ha- can match the firepower of CJ and um, yeah and Brandon Ingram. Especially CJ. CJ yeah. If you have like CJ, like game seven, 2000, when was that, 18 or 19? Yeah. Kind of thing, kind of performance. I can kind of see that happening. Yeah. So now here, here's another thing that could, could trump it. Um, the Pelicans head coach is Willie Green. Yes, longtime NBA player, but rookie head coach, and he's the playing pop, the veteran, veteran of veterans in the NBA. How much does that change it for you? You can, I, I think that. That might that definitely like gives this person an edge. I don't know if that how much that would change the uh, that would change my prediction. Just I, I, unless Pop goes out there on defense, <laughs> Def, yeah. defense CJ on an ISO. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I trust the this um, first defense yeah. enough. Yeah, is my but, point. for me like. Based on what I what I can tell, coaches can influence games by like schemes, probably four or five points, mm-hmm. depending. Um, in some cases, it can be much higher. In some cases, it can be much lower. It's really just a, an average, and that's where the pop advantage can be. Um, so I think if it's a close game, the Spurs are going to take it. But at the same time, Pop's not out there in the court, so it's really up to the players. Exactly. And Pop has a young core. So Pop can coach them all they want. It's the guys on the court making all the decisions. So do you trust those decision makers over the guys that the Pelicans have? And I'm just, I'm not sure I'm there. I definitely trust CJ, CJ especially. I think CJ the most probably. Yeah. And from the, from this group of players. Yeah, it's not, Ingram's not far behind because I think yeah. he's had himself a really good year. It's a career year for Brandon Ingram. So. Yep. As a playmaker, like he's he's taking a step. So, um, yeah, I guess pick time. Who you pick? Yeah, the Pelicans do. <laughs> yeah, I picked the Pelicans too. So Spurs are out. That would um, now. So I guess we have the Wolves versus the Pelicans. <laughs> I'm so tempted to pick the Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> what is? It? What is 
what is your deal with Minnesota? I didn't. Uh, well, just be really. Fun- I didn't realize you were a Minnesota hater. No, it'd just be really funny if their playoff, uh, playoff droughts. Well, it's not a drought anymore because they 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 made it in twenty. Misery, I guess, continues. They did. <laughs> they had Jimmy Butler that one yeah. season. They made it. Yeah, yeah, swept, but they made it. <laughs> I, I this should I, the Wolves should win. Right, they're better. I just. <laughs> simple yeah. as that I think sometimes it's as simple as that I agree with you I think it, I think the Wolves are better they're just if you just think about what what counters they have to Carl Anthony Towns I don't know there is one yeah and like this Willie is... Green isn't quite Ty Lue so like Cat could probably just dominate just based on his play alone yeah their defense isn't good enough See the clip. The Clippers are yeah. the Clippers I'm at picking, least were like a top holder, top eight defense. So yes, yes, I think and like the schemeability, their versatility. There's just a chance that the Wolves can't counter that. So, but against the Pelicans, I'd I'd say they could because it's. I mean, if you're asking Balance Eunice to do anything against Carl Anthony Towns, oh gosh, <laughs> and I don't know that the Pelicans would be willing to throw Nance on Towns and Jonas on whoever else. Now, they could put Jonas... Ooh, they could put Jonas on Vanderbilt. That would work, actually. That might work, yeah. Ooh, that would work. That would actually play right into the Pelicans' hands. I, I don't think they do it, though. Nance has played seven games, and they're really going to put the other guys, Jackson Hayes, and that's, that's barbecue chicken. <laughs> yeah, that, that's barbecue chicken. Yeah, I'm I'm picking the wolves. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's that was pretty easy choice. Although, yeah, again, still can't discount like a CJ or Brandon Ingram big game as well. Yep, yep, agreed. Um, all right. Any any final thoughts before we uh before we wrap up here? Bring on the play in, dude. I cannot wait. Bring on the play. And I'm so excited. Next week, we do our playoff previews right before it starts. Ooh, this is a good, yes, we exciting do. Yes, time we for do. the NBA. Very extremely exciting time for the NBA. Um, all right. Well, that's it for the show. Let us know on our socials. Who do you think is going to make it out of the play-in um, on either side? Who do you think is the MVP, Coach of the Year? You can even let us know your thoughts on Most Improved, Six Man of the Year. And commentator of the year, <laughs> Reggie. Yes. Boom, baby. Please, no more. Please, please, no more Lakers thoughts. We're. I don't want to talk about the Lakers anymore. No, no. Let no us Lakers know on thoughts. our socials. Um, we are at Got Next Blog on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, we have recently joined the Enjoyers of Basketball community on Twitter, so you can find us there. Um, as well as the Dunker Spot community on there. So, shout out, Steve and the um, guys. Shout out. Um, visit our website, gotnextsite.wordpress.com. I promised myself I wouldn't do the top 10 again this year, but you know, I said fuck it, so I'm doing it. Oh, how that'll exciting. Be, yes, so that'll be, that'll be something to look forward to at the end of the playoffs. Um, follow us on the Hardwood Amino app, as well as the other Aminos, Hoops Amino. Um, that's the both the basketball social media apps on Amino. 
Um, we are at Got Next Podcast on there. That's it for the show. Who's got next? Not the Lakers. <laughs> Man, you know what's funny is that last year or two years ago maybe we had the that whole clip not the clip with Milton man how karma has bit you in the ass